This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into a new episode of the Lions 24-7 podcast. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz with you. We take you into another week of May, the first of two episodes, and we've got a great guest on. We always enjoy his company, Brian Doan, National Recruiting Analyst with 24-7 Sports, going to help us break down some of the more recent additions to the 2021 Nittany Lions recruiting class. He's been heavily involved uh, in covering these players, and uh, if you've read some of the stories in the aftermath of these commitments, Brian has often been the one getting those quotes putting up the breaking news stories. So I look forward to his insight on a few on a few things there. We've also got our mailbag to get to. The questions have been rolling in on Apple Podcasts. Thanks to those of you who have left that five-star review and left your five-star uh, mailbag question. Got a couple of those coming up here later on the show. But two commitment dates of note are now set. One later on in the year, one later on this month. We're going to get to those Right now, Sean, and we start with a topic that we addressed last episode, Maliki Matavao, the top-ranked player out of Nevada in the Las Vegas area, goes to Liberty High School in Henderson. You heard on this podcast, Micah Bowen's incoming Penn State quarterback out of Las Vegas, working hard to help bring him on board with Penn State. Has not visited. He's not going to visit before this decision. It's coming May 27th. What I mean, what a great job they've done recruiting him from a sense of he he's comfortable enough to make a decision and it could be Penn State. I, I mean, I still am on the fence, whether it's Penn State or Oregon. I know Georgia's still in the mix, UCLA still in the mix, but from everything that I'm hearing, it sounds like Oregon or Penn State. Um, just that's mind blowing considering he just went to Oregon in February. So he's actually been there. He's seen the campus. Um, Tyler Bowen and the offensive staff have done a really good job recruiting him. Um, it, it's, I, I just, I, I feel good about this one, but like, I'm you know, sort of naturally pessimistic. The kid's never been to Pennsylvania. He's never been to state college. Like, how do you handle that? How do you handle the situation where number one on, on one side, you've never seen a place and you're committing your next couple of years of your life to it. And on the other hand, uh, Penn state's never had him in on campus to, um, figure out his personality fit to figure out a lot of things that you can figure out by seeing these guys on campus. So it's it's such a fascinating conundrum, and and we're at that point in the recruiting cycle with the dead period being extended, where sort of it's sort of a watershed moment where you've got you know Caleb Johnson committing to Auburn right away, Matthew Wickoff committing to Texas A&M, Jonan Miller, who we talked about last week in Arizona, committing to Oregon. You know, just sort of putting a stop to your recruitment based on where you think you are in the process and, and, and Maliki is at that point. So it's, it's a fascinating uh, discussion because, you know, you, you really in this situation, look at the facts, look at who he's visited, look at who he hasn't visited. And it seems pretty well cut and dry, but the job that Penn state has done recruiting him ha- has made that sort of a cloudy endeavor. So um, fascinating on that aspect, fascinating on the fact that Penn state uh, doesn't know, you know, how he would fit into the program. And also on top of that, 
I mean, you, you got to be realistic. I mean, if he commits to a place that he's never been to, you've got to keep your options open as well. You got to keep your eye on other guys. Um, and, and you're using a spot on a guy that hasn't committed. So it's, there's so many points to this that, that really don't make a ton of sense, but really that's where we're at right now in the recruiting uh, process, especially for a guy that's uh, a couple thousand miles away. State College and Las Vegas, both located in a valley. Aside from that, I don't think you're going to draw a lot of comparisons between these two places. Potato, potato. I mean, they're, they're very similar uh, from a nightlife standpoint, from a lot of uh, of different things. But yeah, it's just, it's crazy, man. It's it's all of a sudden, um, you know, you, you're making that biggest decision of your life without, and I'm not I'm not criticizing his, his choice to do so. That's certainly his choice. But man, that's a, that's a lot to go into uh, into a life-altering decision. And we, we, we went really in depth on this topic last episode. If you missed it, it dropped last Friday and how the coronavirus situation and the extended dead period now through June, wiping out that early official visit window, what it means, not just for Penn State, but across college football. The commitments are tremendously up. I, I forget the latest update. I saw Bud Elliott put some kind of tally out, but it's, I think it's almost double what it normally would be at this stage of the, of the calendar year uh, for the recruiting cycle in terms of commitments made. And, and again, we continue to anticipate in the back end of this cycle, uh, decommitments to, to present a pretty wild finish to things. Now, I think you, to your point, you mentioned uh, Matavao, if he commits to Penn State, you're going to be concerned uh, about him, you know, wanting to explore other options. We know how James Franklin in the past has, has kind of felt about uh, taking visits while committed to the Nittany Lions. But I think at the same time, if he was to pick Oregon, who where the crystal ball, you know, barely it maybe leans right now uh, with Blair Angulo putting that pick in. Uh, you've got UCLA there. Let's say he goes to and, and picks a Pac-12 team on May 27th. This is not a recruitment that you just say, okay, you're, it's it's let's let's wipe our hands and turn to the next one. Seems like you're still going to be doing your diligence to try to work out an official visit plan for him, whether that's during the course of the 2020 season after the 2020 season into the winter. Um, and, and, you know, it, I think just like other teams are not going to stop pursuing him if he can miss the Penn State. Um, you know, commitments are tricky right now and, 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 and offers are even trickier. But when you look at this co- recruitment, one thing that Penn State does have in their back pocket, and they have this and in every case with the tight end right now, 31 touchdowns scored at that position since 2017. Mike Kosicki, second round pick into the NFL draft. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, as we'll get to here later in the show looking like a potential first round pick when you look at all these projections one of the top guys at his position on the board like Mike was a couple of years ago um, and and you know there's there's few and far between programs across America right now that can boast that kind of resume at this position where a lot of times you'll look at a school and then they'll promise you touches and you're, you're not going to be a big part of that passing attack and we still want to see what Kirk Shiraka does there because the tight end usage was not there at Minnesota but Neither was Pat Fryermuth. So I'm curious. You mentioned Mike Kosicki, and I'm going to go off here on a, on a side note. Which part of that take the ball, throw it over the house to yourself, uh, would you have screwed up? I, I'm probably in the camp of I would have thrown the ball okay. It would have been fine. Um, but when I ran in through the garage, through the door, I would have nailed the door frame and just knocked myself out cold because that's uh, that's some pretty ridiculous, uh, you know, even even getting away from catching it, you know, doing the whole uh, former Mr. Perfect vignette, which is the greatest one of the greatest wrestling vignettes of all time, uh, where you throw it to yourself and catch it. That aside from it, just running through the house is just, it's unbelievable. And I would have ended up in the hospital. Um, I'm a fairly coordinated athlete. I would have ended up in the hospital. 
yeah, Mike, forever a kid. It's great to see it. And I think I probably would have probably smacked the the ball on the side of the house the first couple of throws. If I were to complete it to myself like Mike did, odds are there would have been like a seven-year-old girl riding her bicycle on the street and I would have just slammed into her on I, film. I was waiting for something like, you know, just a, you know, a, God forbid a car come by or something. Yeah, it was, And then uh, Mike would have jumped over the car or something like that. Yeah. Uh, that was that was cool to watch. It's nice to know Mike's having fun. Looked like he was uh, located near the beach in that photo too, which is where he would like to be. Um, it's always nice to bring Mike up. <laughs> and he played volleyball. Not a lot of people know that. Um, going back to uh, where we're at on the crystal ball uh, right now, two picks in for Oregon. Uh, new feature on twenty four seven sports: the confidence meter, which. Uh, you know, you, the, the people on our site know my propensity and love for numbers and percentages and all that bringing it into that. But uh, that's something new to check out on the site. A very um, medium level crystal ball confidence for, for Maliki right now. So be interesting to, to sort of weigh where that stands and weigh how that uh, changes closer to his uh, announcement, because I'm sure it, it, it will swing and it will change. But like I said, you know, feel fairly good about where Penn State stands. It's just I have a tough time convincing my Myself that you can make that decision without, uh, you know, heading across country and, and seeing a place for the first time. Have you ever seen that? I know we're, we're in unprecedented circumstances as we hear it over and over again, but have you ever seen a player covering this team commit to Penn State blindly like that? Um, you know, I, I'd have to think about that one a little bit more. Right. Um, I, I feel like that, uh, you know, it probably has happened at some point. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, it's really not, um, not something that we, you know, it's not an everyday situation. No, <laughs> this no. It's not something I know Ohio state has done, uh, you know, kind of, uh, well with the guys that they've gotten or haven't gotten on campus that they've still committed, uh, you know, gotten to commit, including Trevion Henderson this, uh, this cycle. But, uh, yeah, that's just such a, I mean, you've got, you've got to have so much clout build up. You've got to have so much, uh, you know, just, uh, going for you to, to, to get an elite level guy to get a top level guy I'm not saying Maliki's the best tight end in the country but uh you know you, you you've to, to pull somebody from that far away that's that's highly regarded that other teams want I mean this is you know you got several schools that are still you know really pushing for him and really really want him in in the class this isn't sort of a this fall to me type situation so no it's just it, it's fascinating um to 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 see where you know, this had how how this whole situation has changed things from an outlook perspective um, for certain kids, and it's not an every you know it's not an every kid situation. You got to go case by case basis. You got to figure out how to recruit each individual kid based on the circumstances that are presented to you, and that's a that's a fascinating challenge. Montevallo, we've talked about the recruitment quickly about the prospect. Six foot six, two hundred and forty pounds, helped lead Liberty out of Henderson into the state championship game. They beat Micah Bowen's Bishop Gorman squad in that game last year. Um, Penn State offered him toward the tail end of his sophomore year. So, guy who's been on the radar with the Nittany Lions for a long time has not been able to get to campus. The number four tight end, when you look at the composite rankings, twenty four seven Sports specifically has him at number seven. So, certainly would fall in line with what they've got going on in the tight end room where they just signed two players um, and they've, they've really stockpiled quite a quite a number of four stars. You've got Theo Johnson, former four star, Brenton Strange, former four star, Zach Koontz, former four star, 
Pat Fryerbooth, of course, another former blue chip prospect, and, and he's he's proven that and more since he got to campus. And additionally, kind of the wild card of the bunch, maybe when the entire 2020 class is all said and done, Tyler Warren, once committed to play quarterback at Virginia Tech, uh, coming to campus in 2020 at the tight end spot, and a, a tremendous athlete, a guy that we look forward to learning more about as time marches on. Uh, a date that's going to be further down on the calendar, but uh, certainly the importance level here is high as well. Uh, Dejon Warren out of Lackawanna College, initially a Maryland high school graduate. Uh, academics uh, kind of d- deterred his ability uh, to to get on board with the Power 5 recruitment towards the end of his high school career. Ends up at Lackawanna earns a freshman all-american or earns an all-american uh, honorable mention regardless of freshman status last year during his first season on campus um, shared the shared the team with a couple incoming Penn State players uh, Jair Brown a uh, safety coming in and also Norvell Black a wide receiver Penn State has signed a couple Lackawanna college players in each of the last couple cycles they're probably going to start one of those players at safety and Jaquan Brisker here in 2020 and I say all that because Warren is committing uh, December 14th, two days before the early signing period is scheduled to start. Sean, he's going to be on campus. Well, hopefully we're all on campus for this. Uh, September 26th, Northwestern coming to town for the Big Ten opener for Penn State. That is when he plans to make an official visit. But Nittany Lions have company here. He's going to make trips to Georgia, Oklahoma, Tennessee. Uh, those two uh, two SEC visits scheduled to place take place in December leading up to a decision. So a long way to go here for the nation's number one junior college prospect in both composite rankings and 24-7 sports rankings right around the corner at Lackawanna. That's a lot to unpack, um, and especially when you take into account this is a kid that really wanted to get out and see schools. He, he had really only seen Penn State. I think Maryland um, was, you know, he's been there as well, but uh, doesn't really make, uh, you know, an easy process for him because he wanted to get out he wanted to see schools in the spring given that he's a junior college player and you know who knows if they'll have a season uh there as well but uh it you know he he's got two open dates where he can take visits one is is locked in for penn state uh the other one i believe is locked in for uh Oklahoma? Oklahoma. Sorry. Um, actually, Oklahoma moved back to November 20. It, it, it's a it's a very um, weird, different schedule. So um, you got those four teams, basically, that we mentioned. Oklahoma, Georgia, Tennessee, Penn State. Um, you've got two open dates. Then his season ends in mid-November. Then he wants to get out and see two more schools before that happens or after that happens and then make a decision in December. So it's a very fragmented recruiting schedule based on his own schedule because they play a lot, uh, you know, exclusively on Saturdays for the most part. Uh, exclusively for the most part. That's, uh, that sounds good. Um, no, um, so th- it, it, it's really all over the place, but I still, you know, you mentioned all the, the success that they've had at Lackawanna, Penn State, um, and they haven't missed anybody yet. And that's that that keeps ringing in my ear. I still hear Penn State's in a good spot. My uh, confidence meter on 24-7 sports is still pretty high in the Nittany Lions. I think that this will give them an opportunity to continue to solidify that lead. I, like I said, I know he wants to see schools. I know he's intrigued by these different places. Uh, Tennessee has seemed to have come on a little bit stronger, and Georgia's a spot that's always like he's always liked in his mind. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he took an official to Maryland as well as well. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really a situation where Penn state's got the lead. I think they can hold on. And I, I I'm not completely convinced he's going to make it to December, but I'm also, you know, given the lack of, uh, you know, research he's been able to do on campus at these places. Um, you know, I, I see him wanting to hold off as long as possible. And, you know, this, this, uh, schedule aligns with that. 
remarkable turnaround for for his football career, what he's been able to do over the course of one year. We're talking about other offers on the table, include Alabama and Florida State. Um, a lot going on for Warren right now, and you know he he certainly made a big deal about that experience coming to Penn State in January. The offer arrived a few weeks later. You know, that was that was really his first brush with being a, a notable top tier uh, Power Five prospect and and it's really taken off from there it's expanded he had a huge late late stage of the winter going into early spring where where like again all these opportunities really surfaced for him the official visits became an important part of the process and correct me if I'm wrong but at least last year Lackawanna ended up uh, having a later game too because they were part of that national championship matchup so um, I, I think that was in December at some point so that could maybe impact it's another variable to watch if, if he has you know a, a prolonged practice periods with Lackawanna where he's needed on campus to get ready for a game like that in the postseason that could maybe alter and, and adjust his ability to make these visits or maybe add a fifth official visit which he he certainly mentioned to Brian Doan uh, in the story that's up on lines247.com that a fifth official visit is possible here. And uh, Sean, James Franklin said last December during the early signing period press conference that they feel like they should be signing Lackawanna's best players. If they're of the caliber to play at a school like Penn State, play at a high-level Power 5 program, they should be coming to Penn State. And, and you know, obviously most of these kids are from within the region. That helps. Um, and, and But we are talking about, you know, what what kind of I- impact they're going to make. You know, Brisker, again, looks like he's going to be starting alongside Lamont Wade. Anthony Wigan is battling to, to be on that two deep this year. He took a red shirt his first year on campus. And then Norval Black should have opportunities in that receiver room, as we've talked about. The door's open for s- someone to come in and make an impact. Uh, and additionally, you know, Jair Brown, a guy that we liked what we saw from him on, on the camp circuit. Certainly like what you saw on his sophomore film. And one other note here about Warren, going to come to campus uh, with two with three years to play two seasons, uh, just like Brisker did. Brisker is down to his last year of college eligibility here at Penn State. Uh, goes quickly when you come from that JUCO level. And I'll ask you this question. Let's say May 31st, Tony Grimes, five-star cornerback prospect, many believe to be the best cornerback at the high school level in the country. Let's say he puts Penn State in his top three and says, I'm, I'm going to take an official visit to these three schools down the line when I can, make my decision in December. He's talked about that December commitment. So if you've got, hypothetically, your top two cornerbacks on the board saying they're going to announce in December, how do you adjust to that? I mean, because right now we're talking about how many kids are chomping at the bit to maybe commit, get it out of the way. Do you just shut it down with your cornerback recruiting in terms of taking commitments until you get a resolution in December on these guys? Well, you, you look at the numbers, and, and they don't need any more corners from from a need standpoint. Um, so you you got to keep those guys. Um, you got to stay in as long as you can. I, I personally don't think that Penn State's going to make that cut for Tony Grimes. So maybe he he does that work for you. But uh, no, you you keep the, those guys are both so good. You keep recruiting them as long as you can. You've invested a lot of time, um, you know, in, into both of those guys. And and really, you you look at the numbers, and that's the thing we keep going back to with Warren is you look at the numbers and you say why why would they take a junior college uh, cornerback but uh, they think highly enough of his talent that he kind of fits in uh, maybe as a plus one I mean you, you look at what's left in the secondary and there's some some other fringe names out there but really it's come down to four guys you got two corners in Grimes and, and Warren and you got two safeties in Derek Davis and Donovan McMillan um, so I mean it's it's really uh, fascinating how that's going to work because you you really don't need the numbers at corner you probably need another safety but uh, 
no, it's a, that, that's where the talent is and that's where you have to uh, sort of make your mark. So, you know, I, I, I don't really see a need to to stay on a ton of corners. Now they do. I mean, that that's the thing. They keep recruiting these guys you know, especially guys that are far, further away from campus. Um, you know, a, a different uh, uh, example of that would be Ryan Barnes in, in Maryland, who they're still after. Uh, but uh, no, you, you just keep going after your top guys. And if you miss, I mean, this is such a, a, a space strapped class where you, you know, if you miss, you use that position, you use it on another position, you go after another receiver, you go after another lineman, um, you know, on either side of the ball and, and go with that. So you keep all of your options open, but you go hard after those guys. And if you don't get them I think you'll be all right from a number standpoint a lot of excitement about that 2019 cornerback class if Warren were to pick the Nittany Lions here he would be uh, in the same class eligibility standpoint as Keaton Ellis and Marquise Wilson who we certainly see competing for that starting job uh, filling that with John Reed gone and, and of course you're going to see Tariq Castro Fields a senior move on from Penn State after the 2020 season so there's another starting job open as well. Um, looking ahead here a, a little bit at the 2020 season, um, CBS, uh, who if, if you follow 24-7 sports, you're well aware we have a great situation with CBS. Uh, a couple Penn State related um, items coming out, out of them on Monday. One was a, a 2021 mock draft, one of their early uh, editions of that. Talk about that in a moment, but they had a best playmakers at each position for 2020. The exception there was they gave the offensive line uh, to a unit that went to Notre Dame. But the, the, I guess the most impactful players at each position in terms of being able to change a game. So that went to Justin Fields at quarterback to give you kind of a, a, what they're looking for here. Wasn't Trevor Lawrence. Maybe you'd, you'd think it was, but the dual threat capabilities of Justin Fields overtook him. Uh, the two players represented by Penn State, Pat Fryermuth, noted as the best playmaker at tight end Micah Parsons very little surprise here the best playmaker at tight end uh, I'm sorry at linebacker maybe he could be a tight end as well but Sean only LSU has multiple players on that list take it for whatever it's worth it may not be worth much to you it may be worth a lot to some of you out there LSU has wide receiver Jamar Chase and Derek Stingley at cornerback Penn State has their pair here and, and once again kind of hammering home the point that this is a very talented roster that Nittany Lions return, and much of that due to that success so far, the 2018 recruiting class that has come through for the most part. Well, you, you got to look at this uh, this setup and say these these are your game breakers. These are the guys that you need to that, to push you past Ohio State. You need more of them, obviously, but uh, it's uh, it, it's really good. It's a really good starting point. It really gives you a, a great feel of where Penn State probably thinks they should be in in twenty twenty. So you've got this top level talent, and there's some other guys you know that didn't make the list that you know should be ranked fairly highly at their positions as well. Um, but no, these are these are a couple of impact uh, impact spots. I mean, Fryermuth is going to be one of the focal points of the passing game. I mean, he's your most consistent threat. He was your most consistent threat last year, even though you had a, a second round pick out there as well. So, um, you know, you got to figure out a way to to adapt this new offense to get him the ball. And on the other side, I mean, uh, I mean, what else are we going to say about Michael Parsons? I mean, you get, you, you know, you build a defense around a, a guy like that. You only get him for a couple of years, obviously. And, um, you know, he's, he's, he's a tremendous talent that uh, really has, has taken on that next level of, of what we expect him to be. I mean, he's, he's absolutely lived up to, to to what we expected and, you know, should continue to do so. Hope we get to see these guys on the field this fall and, and really 
I mean, you, you just got to bring the talent level up at, at every spot to get past. You know, it, it's it's a game of, you know, it's almost like a relay race. You got to get past, uh, you know, you got to get past the out-of-conference schedule. You got to go to Lane Stadium and, and play a tough game against Virginia Tech. And then you hand the baton off and, and you go through that uh, ridiculous stretch in, in October, which includes, you know, a really good uh, Indiana team that uh, you play on the road that you haven't played particularly well and then you get to the end and you can sort of hope you know hopefully if you're Penn State you can coast uh, over that last month of the season but uh, yeah it's 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 really um, fascinating to see uh, where Penn State's talent has has sort of consolidated we talk about tight end all the time we talk about running back all the time we talk about uh, linebacker as well and go back three or four years and you know it was completely opposite we were talking about uh you know no offense but we were talking about bill belton and running back we're talking about not having a tight end jonathan holland was the 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 the, the hope at one point and you're playing freshman linebacker so the way that they've been able to flip some of these positions and make them elite has been kind of remarkable to see that progress now you'd like to see some other spots uh, step up and and not carry their weight but step up and and, and be on that level as well Micah Parsons, the one thing we're all looking for here, maybe in 2020, we certainly saw some grand flashes of it last year in the Cotton Bowl as well. Uh, but defensive coordinator Brent Pry not so subtly suggesting that he feels like the lid may come off for Micah Parsons as a pass rusher, a uh, guy who's going to get after the quarterback a bit more in his third year on campus. And then that would be quite the, the next step for Micah. Additionally, Pat Fryermuth, his next touchdown will put him in sole possession of the tight ends touchdown record in Penn State history. He's currently locked in in the top of that leaderboard with Mike Kosicki. Of course, Mike spent four years on campus and played all four years. Uh, Pat, just two years in his career. So pretty remarkable uh, early returns for him. 15 scores through his first two college seasons, taking over that starting job by the end of his first month on campus. Uh, others in the Big Ten, I mentioned Justin Fields, quarterback at Ohio State. Another guy you're going to have to deal with on that schedule and uh, going to make or break uh, your college football playoff hopes again. Uh, Rondell Moore, who we did not get to see last year, really would have enjoyed seeing him in person, Sean. I know Penn State, maybe didn't mind missing out on the Rondell Moore experience, but he was injured when they came to Beaver Stadium last year. He is the specialist here on CBS's list of the biggest playmakers in college football. So those are the only other Big Ten players who made the list. And as I said, Penn State has two. The CBS came out with that 2021 mock draft for the NFL. Micah Parsons continues to see him in the same kind of area, top five, top tens. Mel Kuyper has him as the number five prospect on his earliest big board. Uh, CBS sends him number five and going to the New York Giants. And if there weren't already some converts for the New York Giants with four former players now on that roster with Austin Johnson signing and Cam Brown getting drafted and, and joining Grant Haley and Saquon Barkley, what a pairing that would be at the star level to uh, bring in the, the biggest national star on defense that James Franklin has had in Happy Valley and pairing him with the biggest star on offense in Saquon Barkley. Completely hypothetical, but still fun to think about those two sharing the field. They did not do that. Of course, Parsons coming on board in 2018 as Barkley was getting ready for the draft. Uh, in that, by the way, Fryermuth going number 20 to the Tennessee Titans. No Jason Oway sighting that time, Sean. So I'll have to send a, an angry anonymous letter into our CBS affiliates. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sure you'll be working on that today. Uh, no, I mean it, it's all about position for Micah. I'm uh, hopefully the Giants do have a top five pick uh, from my standpoint as a Washington fan, but uh, it's uh, it, it's all about position. You saw it with uh, Isaiah Simmons this year uh, from Clemson. You know how you can project and how you can you know for teams looking to make a splash there in the top five. It's not always linebacker the way to go, but you know we've seen some some really really good linebackers go in the top ten and be very successful and and, and have. Uh, uh, you know, really good careers. So, you know, I think that's that's accurate. Uh, Pat, I'm kind of, uh, you know, all over the board with in terms of 20 seems seems fairly high. Uh, like as, like I've mentioned before, he's not the athletic freak that some of these tight ends that have gone in the first round are. But, uh, you know, he'll, he'll work his way, I think, into the back half of the first round. And, you know, a team will be happy they got him because he's just a, a heck of a productive football player. In this case, he's the number two tight end off the board by CBS's projection. The number one guy, a familiar name for Penn State fans, Kyle Pitts from Archbishop Wood going number 10 overall, which is very high for a tight end uh, out of the Florida Gators program. So uh, maybe Pat Fryermuth's biggest competition there at the top of the 2021 tight end leaderboard. Of course, they still got to play football here in 2020, knock on wood, and we'll get a chance to see these guys in their third year on campus. Big year for Fryermuth, for Parsons, and, and really that 2018 class that came in with a ton of praise we know some of the headliners have moved on uh, for injury reasons and, and certainly for transfer reasons and performance on the field. But those who are left have really answered the bell at a lot of turns here. Uh, big opportunity for them to step up again. We're going to come back with Brian Doan. He's going to break down some of these recent Penn State commitments. He's been all over those situations. Uh, and, you know, he's always got that national recruiting perspective. How is Penn State stacking up in the 2021 recruiting cycle? I'm sure he has insight on Dijon Warren as well. And then we'll get into our five-star mailbag following that. So stay with us. First, a word from our sponsors. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast
We now go to the phone lines to welcome in 24-7 Sports National Analyst Brian Doan. It's been a few weeks or months. I'm not even sure how long it's been since we've had you on, but some things have happened for Penn State in the meantime. Uh, we'll get right to it. A couple of commits from our region, your region, uh, recently led by a quarterback, Christian Veyu. This is a guy that we talked about pretty much endlessly leading up to this decision, and now all of a sudden he's a Nittany Lion. Uh, what do you think of him as a prospect first and foremost? Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me on again, because it's always enjoyable to come on and talk Penn State. Um, You know, when I look at him, I really like him as a quarterback. He's always been in Penn State's wheelhouse. And I think, you know, a lot of people say they didn't get Caleb Williams. And and I understand that there's some disappointment of not getting Caleb Williams. But if you took Caleb Williams out of the recruiting class or said Penn State never had a chance, and then you started looking what quarterbacks would fit best with what new offensive coordinator Kirk Shiraka wants to do. And Christian Valu would be the first guy that would come to my mind. Um, he's from a place that Penn State recruits well. So you have that natural connection. And then the other part is he throws a really good deep ball. He likes to go down the field. Now, his accuracy wasn't great or is not, you know, whether it was when he was at Canisius up in Buffalo or when he went down to the Bullet School in Potomac, Maryland, but he takes a lot of shots down the field. And I know Shiraka likes guys, you know, accurate and Shiraka, I believe had him in a camp somewhere along the way um, a few years ago. And to me, he's a great fit for Penn State. He's mobile. He's not a runner, but he's mobile. Um, and, And I think in watching him and talking to him and knowing what Kirk Shiraka wants, this is something pay attention to Penn State fans because I think you're going to see the phasing out of the, you know, 15 runs a game for the quarterback kind of deal, you know, or, or 12 or whatever you want to call it. And, and I'm really – I like his touch on the ball, and he brings a lot of really good things to the game. You wrote something a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we kind of collaborated on it, uh, breaking down how he fit into the offense. And the kid likes to throw the ball down the field. Kirk Shiraka likes to throw the ball down the field. Seems like a pretty pretty good marriage there. Yeah, it does. And, and you know, I went back and I watched some Minnesota stuff on what they did. And, and they like to isolate the receivers and go get the 50-50 balls. And if you watch Valu throw um, – he he will give his receivers a chance if he sees that single coverage and he thinks that or he has the confidence for you to go up and get it he'll throw the ball for you and he'll allow the receivers a chance to make plays and I think when you look at his interceptions and he's thrown probably a little bit more than you want to see at the high school level I think maybe eight or nine in each of the last two years but you can see some of them comes just because he's like, you know what? I have trust in my receiver. Go get it. And sometimes the receiver doesn't get it. And, you know, as you well know, Fitz, I know this will shock people, but not every interception is the quarterback's fault. How about that? Uh, And it's funny because that's something we've heard uh, from talking to people around that is his targets at Bullis. Uh, you know, probably not the most reliable group out there, but uh, you know, that that's just how it is these days, I guess. Um, we can talk about the impact that any quarterback has on a class. What does Valu do for Penn State um, in terms of the Maryland Big Three and beyond to to add some skill guys to this class? Yeah, and I think it remains to be seen what what he will do. I know what he's trying to do, and you know he's trying to go get uh, Dante Thornton 
Caden Prather and Jalil Farouk, three receivers who were really big targets for him. All of them are long guys. I mean, Prather and Thornton are both guys that are 6'4-ish. Um, Farouk runs really well, and they're all guys that are ranked really high for us. And he has, you know, they all know who he is. He knows who they are. They've kind of, you know, done some things together in terms of whether it's camps or whatever and, and have come together to know each other. Plus, he's pretty close to Tristan Lee, who's a pretty important offensive tackle in the class as a five-star kid who, you know, he can talk to about, you know, protecting his blind side. Um, now, Valu's up in Canada, which is where he's from right now because of the shutdown and everything, but he already has relationships with these guys. And I think that's really important um, for the first time in a while. And it fits you and I talked about it and, and I brought it up. I'm not going to put words in your mouth because it was more what I said, you know, in the time I've been doing this, um, I, I think Valu is the best quarterback prospect Penn state will sign since James Franklin's been there. And that's not to say that he's going to be better than trace McSorley. If you remember back when trace was, committed to Vanderbilt and flipped to Penn State, you know, people weren't thinking that this kid was going to, you know, lead Penn State to Big Ten title win and all that other stuff. Um, he, he had an unbelievable career, and I think that's what made Trace who he was, was his ability to lead and overcome adversity and everything. But from a pure quarterback standpoint, I think Valu's the best guy that Franklin will have signed. Yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of the – he checks a lot of the boxes when you're going through. And, of course, uh, a lot of fans are going to see that as a step down from Caleb Williams because, you know, Caleb Williams is the top quarterback in the country. But, I mean, Valu has a lot of those things that you're looking for, including athleticism, which, you know, we've got some, we got some numbers on him that would probably surprise some people. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, <laughs> he's comfortable in the pocket. He'll move around. He's really good from a leadership standpoint. And he can make yards with his feet. He may not – want to do it 15 times a game but if it's third and seven protection breaks down and he has to move I have the utmost confidence if the yardage is there to be had he's going to get the first down um you know it it's not Ben Roethlisberger sitting back there in the pocket who's not going to run or anything I mean he's an agile quarterback who moves well you know he he if you watch some of this stuff on his tape, he, he does change direction. And look, Caleb Williams is the number one quarterback for a reason, but he's only going to one school. And that doesn't mean that school's winning the college football playoff for three or four straight years while he's there. I don't know, man. He's, as many package deals as they talk about with Caleb Williams. <laughs> I was going to say those package deals. I mean, what happened to the limit of 25? <laughs> yeah, they're going to have to sign 45 guys, man. Um, <laughs> Beyond that, Penn State, of course, picked up Valu. Um, uh, that same day, they picked up uh, Sander Sahayak, uh, the kicker from Lehigh Valley. But, you know, in the meantime, we'll get to, to the kicker in a minute. And sorry, kickers, but uh, that's how it is. But Lonnie White, a guy that I know that you really like as an athlete. Penn State picked him up as an athlete, probably going to be a wide receiver. Um, I know this is a guy that you've been higher on than pretty much anybody else. But uh, that's a good pickup for Penn State. Uh, it's an outstanding pickup for Penn State. And I, I honestly believe that if Lonnie wanted to play quarterback, and, and he doesn't, but if he wanted to play quarterback, I think he'd be an outstanding quarterback in college too. But he would be the guy who runs it 15 to 20 times a game. I think he's a – look, he was committed to Clemson baseball um, as a, early in his sophomore year. That's first. And I don't, I don't profess to know a lot about ACC baseball, but I know if you're going to commit to a school – 
in the South at a power five school during your, you know, before your sophomore season begins, you're probably pretty good. His, his basketball stuff is unbelievable just as far as his explosion. And if you haven't had a chance to watch some of those dunks, you, you should find it on Twitter. Or I'm sure Fitz will figure out how to embed it somewhere so you can see it. And then you take it to the football field. And so you're looking at a, at a big, strong, strong athlete who's six two two tennis now um, has good hands, good in the open field, has elusiveness, runs really well, has stop start ability. Um, he loves the challenge of jump balls. He, he wants that one-on-one thing goes back to Valu and talking about, can your receiver go make a play? He's, he's got so many things going for him from an athletic standpoint um, and I think when you look at kids that have were hurt maybe by the no spring eval period, yeah, I mean, you wound up at Penn State, so how do you say he was hurt in it? And so you don't, because he got the big offer that, that he was deserving of. But, I, I mean, I think pretty much every school would have came through and offered him if they saw him live. Um, I, I think he's that dynamic of an athlete. Yeah, you just wonder what could have been for some of these guys. Like you said, Lonnie White found a good landing spot, but some of these guys are still looking for for that uh, big offer to come through, even though they may may eventually be big time players. Uh, for for Lonnie White, uh, the basketball stuff is is really what got me. I mean, you you sent me a link one night, and it's him just uh, jumping out of the gym, cramming uh, you know a ridiculous dunk home. Um, you know, you you can I guess compare the athleticism that it takes to do that to play wide receiver. Um, but w- we got some times on him seemed a little bit slower than than we would have expected from him in a straight line. But how do you how do you when you're evaluating these guys go from okay this guy this guy's obviously a little bit more athletic than he has shown on these these sheets that we have with the times and stuff? How do you translate that into I guess developing what kind of athlete and what kind of receiver you see him as? Yeah, I think there's a couple things that go into that. And it's interesting to to discuss this because for me, I'm always I'm a big trust your eyes guy. And so when you're looking at a 40 time, does he know how to run a 40? Does he know to stay low for the first 10 yards? You know, does he know the technique of running a 40? Because there is a technique to running a 40, just like there's a technique to running 100 meters. I mean, you don't just take your fastest guy, roll him out, and he wins every race. There's a technique to it to just get that little more explosion. And so that can factor into some of the speed stuff. More importantly for receivers to me is not so much the speed to stretch the field, but does he have the acceleration out of his brakes? Does he get into him clean? And does he get out of his breaks with acceleration? Now, Lonnie, you know, he rounds his routes a little bit. And, and that's going back to his sophomore tape because he played quarterback as a junior. Um, but when you watch him come out and, and really explode out of the routes, he has the ability to separate. He's long. He catches the ball well. So you see that. And, you know, you're, you're trying to look at one thing and how does it translate to another? So in basketball, when you can dunk the way he can dunk, and I imagine Fitz, that's what you looked like 15 years ago. I, Once upon I a time. Only, Once I, can only, time. I can only think that. Of course, you were at seven foot rims. But, you know, when you look at Lonnie White, he he is so explosive and can get so high over the rim and so athletic that that explosion translates to, okay, 
ability to get off the line as long as you have the technique and understand how to beat jams and the ability to get out of breaks. So that's what you're looking for when you're going to other, you know, taking one thing and translating it to another sport. And even from baseball, I mean, your hand-eye coordination to hit a baseball, I mean, my good, it, it has to be good to do it at a high level. And so now you're talking about the hand-eye coordination of catching a pass. And so all that stuff factors in. But at the end of the day, the kid, when you watch his tape, is just the best athlete on the field game after game after game. And you know he's a high-level athlete, so I'm willing to overlook maybe a, a, a not-as-fast 40 time from after his sophomore season of high school to where you you still have to mature and grow. It's the third full week of the month, so we've got new rankings coming out on 24-7 Sports. A little bit of a different approach this month, all defense. So in that, uh, from that manner, not much changing with Penn State's uh, current commits. Um, but a couple of targets that are, you know, you guys have been watching um, on the 24-7. I know you guys have hour-long meetings and or by, by hour hours. Hour or hours? Sorry, hours long meetings. I called you uh, last Wednesday and then I called you three hours later and you were still on the same call. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's something, man. But uh, <laughs> there's a couple of, of Penn State targets. All in, a, all in the name of getting it right. So it, it's worth it. There you go. And plus, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, if we get it wrong – it's all Barton, Barton can Barton and Charles. So, um, but a couple of Penn state targets on the rise in those rankings. Yeah. I mean, you know, for me, you, you talked about the defensive, uh, standpoint of it and what it allowed us to do is week by week, take a position at a time and, and try to watch a lot of kids across the country. So, you know, not only are you talking about Donovan McMillan, a, a safety out of Pittsburgh, but how does he relate to somebody out of Louisiana and Texas and California to where, you know, we can just concentrate on the safeties that we can really get um, a feel for their film and, and some of the testing numbers and all of that stuff. And, and I think that's big. And uh, is it perfect? No, of course not. But you try to do your best and I'd, I'd prefer to see these kids live. I mean, one of the kids I really wanted to see live was a defensive lineman, Talik Williams out of Virginia. Um, I, I kind of held back his ranking. You know, he was still a four star, held back his ranking a little bit till I could see him again in the spring. He, I saw him last spring. He was a little inconsistent. He had a really good junior season. His tape looks great. So, you know, you figure when you're doing these rankings in early February or you know, even late February, ah, we'll just check them out and, you know, be a little uh, people should know by now I'm pretty conservative with these things and you want to see him in the spring. And so you hold it back. And the same thing with George Wilson, who's a big time Penn State target out of Virginia Beach, a defensive end. Uh, you know, he reminds me a lot of Cam Brown, his body type, to be honest. Um, and. He's a kid that played basketball, had a basketball scholarship offered to Hampton, and you know he's six four, six five, two hundred and ten pounds. So you want to see how he moves, and maybe in a camp setting after you watch him on tape, and now you don't have that camp setting. So what happens is I wind up talking to a lot of coaches in the Virginia Beach area, um, work on getting some workout film of him, so you can see how he moves delve a little bit more into his background and find out that, you know, in high, in junior high, he was a really good defensive end in seventh and eighth grade, but decided to concentrate on basketball in ninth and 10th grade, came back to football, had, I can't remember how many sacks he had. I'm going to say 
somewhere around 10-ish sacks, maybe a little more, and should have had about three times that many just because he's learning the position and everything. But yeah, so, you know, you're, you're trying to delve a little deeper into it. it. It's a different kind of projection to where maybe you don't get to see him live, but you know, you, you make the best of it and you, you try to make yourself better any way possible. And, and we've done that with these rankings with, you know, Greg Biggins from the West Coast and, and Huff out on the West Coast are watching George Wilson and, and giving their opinions where maybe in years past they haven't had the ability or the time to do that. Yeah. And every eye helps. And, and it's an interesting part of the process because nothing's really happening right now from, from a visit standpoint, but uh, show about nothing. Yeah, (laughs) basically. But at the same time, I mean, Hey, coaches have not stopped evaluating these guys. They're doing pretty much the same thing, getting these workout videos, getting all this background information and, and just scraping for any information they can. I know that's something that uh, I've come across and you've come across as well. How, uh, you know, coaches all across the country are just, just, latching on to any little, uh, you know, nugget that they can about anybody. And it's really cause for a, you know, a creative time in the recruiting, uh, the recruitment of some of these kids. You know, I I think that's the perfect way to put it is is a creative time because I'm not going to sit, this may be the way we should do it. I'm not saying that this is not the way it should get done. It's just different. And so you try to learn, from this and how you're doing it. And when we do get back to the camps, well, now we've come up with another way to evaluate. And, you know, maybe this way will be awful. I don't know. It could be great. You, you don't know until you go through it and you really see it, but it does give a different feel to how you're ranking, what you're looking for, the stones you'll uncover because you can't see something live. So then you have to, you know, instead of seeing something live, and like I said, I trust my eyes, I now have to go check with three different sources to see if their information is all corroborative on it. You know, it's like some kid telling me he's 6'5", and you find out he's 6'2". Well, I can only find that out when I start talking to sources. And if one guy tells me he's 6'2", I'm not going on that. I need to get more people so I understand what's truth and what's not. But the one thing about this stuff, Fitz, is, and this is probably bad for recruits, whenever you can make visits again, these virtual tours are going to stay. Yeah, I could see that. I, and I think there's a there's a fine line to walk between leaning on them too heavily. I mean, th- this has got to be a template that you put out every year now. I mean, you've got to start hitting, uh, you know, 2022s and 2023s with these virtual tours. And, you know, the rules are a little bit different in terms of contact, but you got to start getting out ahead of it. And so that way, when they step onto your campus, they already know what to expect. They, they already know what to see. They already know where the creamery is. They already know where the stadium entrance is and all this kind of stuff, because that's something that, you know, is going to, I guess, uh, reverberate with them throughout the process. Well, two things. Yeah. If they don't know where the creamery is, what are you doing in life? And second, you really have to be careful because I've talked to some kids who don't want virtual tours. They want to get to a campus, have everything fresh. And so no virtual tours. And so you have to know what each kid wants. I had one kid tell me that he did a two and a half hour virtual tour with Oklahoma. I had another kid tell me that he did a virtual tour for 45 minutes and it was way too long with another school. So you have to know, did that two and a half hour tour work for Oklahoma? Yes, it did. But you have to tailor it to each kid. It's, it's 
I'm when you give coaches some time to really sit and think about this stuff and where they can really um, enhance these virtual tours. I can only imagine how long it's going to be before some defensive end is sitting in his living room and the James Franklin hologram is going to be talking to him on the couch. Perfect. Perfect. Don't how how old are your kids? 11 and 14. Can you think of doing anything for two and a half hours that would keep their attention other than a nap or Fortnite or something like that? We no, I cannot, I cannot imagine. We went for a hike the other day for a little more than two hours and just to get out. And you would have thought by the end of it, I was trying to pull their fingernails off because like, Hey, are we almost done? Are we almost done? So it's nature, man. Um, <laughs> Finally, uh, we've got a kicker ranking coming up. Uh, this is going to go out on Tuesday. The rankings are going to go out on Wednesday, but I don't think we're going to spoil anybody and get uh, lashed out by uh, by Nashville. But uh, Sanders Sahayak, uh, we have him as the number one kicker in the country. Um, Coles has him as the number one kicker in the country. I mean, that's obviously you know a big boost to the special teams. Yeah, I mean, when I put the ranking in, he was the number one kicker in the country. I expect it to stay that way, but you never, you know, you never know. Um, but yeah, I mean, here's how I look at this and I'm probably a little different. And, you know, I, I think when you have a number one kicker, it's usually a three-star number one punter is a three-star. And I get that they don't have a huge, huge impact on most games, but pretty much every team in the country that has a overachieve or, or a season that, that that program can deem special, whether it's special to win nine games, whether it's special to win 12 games, it comes down to a few plays by your kicker and, and kicking that little ball through the uprights. And so I think if you can find a guy who you're comfortable with that can do that for three to four years and he can do it and make those kicks from 50 plus yards in the college game, that is in today's game and the way everything is going, that's more important than having a great kick returner, not a great punt returner, a great kick returner. And so I, I think there should be a higher premium on that. And, you know, you, you've watched it. I mean, just ask anybody from Florida State and they'll still tell you if they're more than 20 years old, tell you the importance of a kicker. And so if Penn State found a kid that is consistent and has a strong leg, then, you know, that, that should go a long way. And I know it makes coaches sleep a lot better when they have a guy that they know on a 45 yard field goal with 10 seconds left and they're down a point can put it through the upright. I think that's worth more than just a, a low three star. And, and yeah, and we know there's no right answer to that because it, it, if you look at our rankings, which are based on the NFL draft, obviously, uh, you know, love it or hate it. I know a lot of people hate it. Uh, the kickers just they, they don't go in the draft. And that 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 makes one, you know, that's one argument there. But they're so important to the college game. It's just I, I, I don't think there's a right answer. I don't think we can tell people that there's going to be a right answer. And I certainly don't think that, uh, you know, they're going to accept that as a right answer. No, and look, with all this stuff, even when we do evals on players, you can make your own determination on whether you think the eval is right or wrong. It's just that, you know, our educated um, opinion and breakdown on things. And for me, I, I think kickers are undervalued in rankings. Um, but, you know, we'll see. 
And if we get it wrong, remember at Barton Simmons at Charles Power <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, but no, uh, that that'll probably about do it for us, Brian. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, the the banter is always great. The info is always better, and of course, you're always available at Lions247.com, and of course uh, on Twitter at Brian Doan 247 But thanks for joining us once again. Hey, thanks for having me. Good stuff from Brian. We'd expect nothing less. Look forward to him being on the show. He's, he's always back around sooner rather than later. Going to turn our attention now to the five-star mailbag. It's been a good run here the last few episodes. Keep them coming. Again, all you do, go to Apple Podcasts, drop your five-star rating, throw in your review. You can say a few things that you like about the show, or you can get right to it with your question. We're happy to check those out. And we've got these questions stacking up. We're going to continue to, to get them on the episode as much as we can. we got two to get to today and we'll start with one from ryan kane uh kind of going back to what we talked about last episode sean he says you talk a lot about how you expect a ton of decommitments when the dead period ends what are the chances it gets to the point where they end up enrolling at that school and would we expect a larger transfer portal next year um so uh, this is a lot to dig into and i hope we don't get to the point where a guy like maliki matavao would commit and enroll at the university and he says so this is what penn state looks like i'm a student here now um i don't i but i do think there's something to be said for as much as we expect the commitments probably fair to wonder if if there are going to be guys who stick with their commitments because uh of the circumstances and they get to campus and maybe it's not what they necessarily expected because not all the homework was done that we would normally see in these decisions yeah i i, I read the, the question a little differently the wording's a little um you know uh uh different here in the what are the chances they get to the point where they end up enrolling is that you know just uh like a situation that we saw at tcu last week where they just you know you don't sign with a school and then just eventually you end up enrolling so i you know i i think from from your point uh yeah i mean the chances of of somebody committing, not visiting and enrolling, eventually enrolling is, you know, I think lower than, you know, average when you talk about a, a particular decision that, uh, you know, is a little bit more uh, research and weighted. You know, I can still see them ending up at that spot because eventually you're going to take official visits. I mean, this is something where, you know, that, but, but I think what, what he's asking is, does the window um, to this recruitment just keep going past December, past February, where you don't even sign. You're waiting to take the, um, you know, you're waiting to take the official visits. You're waiting to get out and get, do as much research, and then you just pop up on campus and, and enrolls. I've got you so, now, like the Zach Evans, like experience the Zach Evans that we just yeah, saw. Yeah, yeah, the Zach Evans experience uh, that came to an end, or. I guess started another or did started it. <laughs> another chapter uh, with TCU last week. Yeah, no, I could see that. I, I think it's more, um, you know, it, it's a little bit more condensed than that. Um, you know, you can't have if you're a school, you can't have a certain amount of spots just kind of left open as you continue to recruit these guys. It's going to take. Uh, in my opinion, it's going to take a massive, uh, you know, group of these guys to not sign to, and I don't see that happening. The way that we, you know, uh, publicize recruiting, the way that these guys embrace the process, I don't see that that hap- that happening. Honestly, I see more of a chance of these guys uh, committing and signing without visiting than holding off all the way to uh, eventually just enroll. So. I don't think that that's really going to happen. I could see it happening in a few instances, but in terms of a mass, uh, you know, movement like that, I, I just don't see it happening just because of the way really that we treat recruiting right now. And again, like so much comes down to in college football, I think you're looking at a potential case of the haves and the have nots. I mean, a guy like James Franklin and that caliber of coach, 
uh, you know, he's going to say sign the paper and get on board and let's move on with the process. There's some coaches out there, whether they be young up and coming coaches at, at maybe, uh, you know, a group of five program or at a struggling power five program is grasping at straws and trying to do whatever they can to maybe stay in the hunt for a guy, regardless of what the timeline looks like, where they may be more willing to bend their policies and kind of put themselves in a precarious situation moving forward, where I think it does help to have a leader uh, who, who has the, the established uh, resume of James Franklin and, and who really won't be afraid to, to draw that line for a recruit and, and make them understand where, where they need to, how they need to handle the situation or why they may need to just move on from Penn State. The, the, the sort of the X fact, you know, the, the wild card here is academics. Can you take the SAT? Can you get all of your classes? Can you get everything in order? You know, say you don't go back to school in the fall. You know, do you, do you have the ability to, to get all your ducks in a row in, in order to sign in December, in order to sign in February or whatnot? So it, it's, it's a really interesting, um, you know, decision decision from that aspect because you know what if you are a borderline kid? I mean, this is going to hurt some borderline kids in the fact that you know you can't uh, save a roster spot, save a scholarship, or something like that for somebody that you know you're eventually not going to see on campus. And that's really in the last couple of years, uh, you know, the the NCAA has has really cut out the academic risk in the fact that you know if you take a guy and you sign a guy, you're on the hook for that spot and that scholarship, even if he doesn't make it to campus. So that's why you see a lot you know fewer you know guys signing uh 30 guys and then 22 of them making it to campus so um you know it's it, it, it's interesting from the academic side of course that's you know where we're going to say it's it's prioritized and and everything whether that's the case or not is you know is, is kind of all over the board but no it, it's 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 really interesting where this could you know, I, I could see it being a more of a theoretical, that sounds really good type thing, but I don't think the coaches are going to let it happen. We've seen in, in, even in this early signing period, Penn State wants to be done in December. You know, they don't want to have to recruit those extra six weeks or whatever to get to February. Now you can fill spots and things like that, but it's more, it's almost more of a supplemental draft. I mean, you want to fill all your needs in the regular draft and then go out if you absolutely need to sign somebody in February or if you absolutely, the circumstances dictate it. Um, so I still see them trying to get done by December. I still see uh, February being secondary and I, I don't really see um, it getting to the point where a bunch of guys all of a sudden just, you know, uh, throw the process to the side and because I think these guys eventually will make it back to campuses for visits and things like that um, in time to make a decision for for December signing day. I don't see the Zach Evans waiting until May of 2021 situations really playing out in abundance, but I do think we are going to see maybe the busiest February signing day that we have seen since before the early signing period showed up. And I think that is exactly because guys want to get out and use those official visits. And and if, if you have a full season at the high school level, and we're all hoping that will be the case in a, in every state possible, um, there's going to be fewer opportunities to, to make a lot of those visits. And, um, and I, I just, I, I think there is something to be said for, you know, Penn state may be looking toward that secondary market a bit more after Christmas than, than they were accustomed to, to do in the last couple of cycles. And one other thing here about the transfer portal maybe filling up uh, to a larger extent because of this long term, there's going to be fewer connections to for recruits to other programs because they weren't able to get to a lot of these camps. There's going to be less data out on these guys of who they were as high school prospects, you know, one, two years down the line where it's not going to be as readily accessible for coaching staffs to say, yeah, we had this kid on camp in June 2020. We liked him. You know, we offered him. We had him to campus. Remember, we got along. There's not going to be as much of a built-in rapport, I think, and established ties 
here, there, everywhere, where if you're, you know, a, a blue chip caliber recruiter, even, you know, a, a notable three-star guy and you've got 20 plus offers, you're probably getting to a lot of those campuses. You're probably speaking to a lot of these coaches. Your parents are, are building relationships with these coaches. And right now that may be happening, happening remotely in a lot of instances, but I just don't know if there's going to be as many easy transitions on the transfer portal circuit because the lack of, of these established ties, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And on the flip side of that, I mean, you've, you've got guys that are going to make decisions based on the relationship, quote unquote, that they have with a coach where they're not, you know, interacting with the coach in person very much. Um, that could, that could carry over to the portal as well, where you eventually go back and you, you know, <laughs> no offense to some of these guys, but the, some of these relationships are, you know, they are recruiting. That's what they, that's what oh, they yeah. do for a living. So, so these guys, you know, are going to, you know, have their eye on another school before they step out, before they get into the portal. And then all of a sudden try and reignite that relationship. And Hey man, I don't have a spot for you. I'm sorry. That's just the way the numbers fall. So, um, I I think it's interesting from that aspect. Um, but yeah, you're going to see, and, and I hate to call them poorly researched decisions, but you just have less data to go off of right now. So that's going to, you know, hit you on the front with that, that first decision that you make, it's going to hit you when you have the opportunity to take visits and that school is going to say, Hey, we don't want you to take visits because we've got other guys that, you know, would take your spot. And then you get to a situation where you eventually would end up in the transfer portal and you maybe don't have the information that you thought you had about that school if that makes sense so um, it's uh it, it's really interesting and and I think there's some sort of uh you know uh, warnings from the the current transfer portal where not all these guys have places to go not all of these guys have scholarships so you know what seemed like a really novel thing you know in the last year or so has turned into a little bit more of a risk and that and, and that's always been the case with transferring but it's just out there you put yourself out there in a sense that you can lose your scholarship you know before beforehand you can have your your people your trainers your parents your old coaches do the research and see what what the uh you know what the water was like um temperature wise now all of a sudden you put your name in there you you risk putting that scholarship out there as well and and you might not be able to go back Five years of eligibility seems like a lot of time on the surface when you're signing those papers coming out of high school. But once that clock starts rolling, uh, it can get a little scary. And, and especially if, if you're midway through the process and you haven't made that impact on the field. And a lot of these kids now are telling you for the next three to four years, I will be attending. They got plans to get there, star, move on, make a bunch of money. And that is even less of a case than, than it is finding the right fit. So uh, we'll see how it impacts things. Certainly a lot to look for for the ramifications on college football from this process. Um, the next one uh, from Dwight Galt Fan 6. I think this is the second Dwight Galt affiliated username uh, that we have picked up here. He says, how do you see the wide receiver position shaking out in 2020 and beyond? Obviously, there are a lot of question marks behind Jahan Dotson, but gun to your plums. Who steps up and fills the other two starting roles? Well, luckily, I've not, I don't have a gun pointed anywhere on me, especially my plums. Um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that, that, that's a question without an answer right now because you, you, there's no even with no spring. I mean, even with a spring, let's be honest, we didn't know what this unit would look like come the end of September into that uh, October grind. I have Dotson, George, and, and Daniel George and TJ Jones right now, uh, very close between TJ Jones and John Dunmore, and that's really what what we would have used the spring to analyze from the from the wideout 
out perspective, um, I, I think eventually Keandre Lambert Smith ends up there, um, you know, in one of those spots. Uh, you know, he, he plays the same position as Daniel George right now. Does that mean he he takes his spots or he just cuts into his reps or, or what happens there? I think the kid's phenomenally talented. I think he's physically driven and I think he's you know really, uh, you know, established himself as a guy that's going to compete for one of those spots. So I, I really like um, Keandre Lambert's uh, opportunity to make an impact in year one. Um, I think that, you know, given what's out there, given what Penn State has experience wise and and performance wise from what we've seen, I think that certainly this is the year that a freshman could step up and, and be that guy. Um, another guy, Parker Washington, is, is a freshman that could step in there. That uh, slot depth is, is razor thin. And now I do expect Penn State to come out with more looks, um, you know, where, where you're playing two tight ends and you're working Zach Koontz and Brenton Strange in there. And then all of a sudden you've got two receivers on the field and, and Jahan Dotson can play the slot and then he can move out and he can play uh, the Z as well, which he played all last year. So that, that, that will take into account that. I expect to see Dotson on the field for the most part all year long. Um, but uh, Parker Washington can slide in there when they go um, to a typical 11 personnel. You can put him in the slot and and see what he can do. I think he's a, a better athlete, as, as we saw on the boards this week, a better athlete than than a lot of people think he is. And, and obviously, he's got some some polish to his game as well. So those are the two guys that I see stepping up and sort of muddying up things. Um, that Jones-Dunmore um, thing, Jones is listed as a starter on the depth chart. We had him listed there for the spring, but I don't think there's a ton of separation in that you can make a determination as to where these guys will be, you know, in August or, uh, you know, when the season starts, let alone, you know, at the end of the year. I can tell you right now, Penn State fans are putting more stock in that depth chart than Taylor Stubblefield was. We got a chance to speak with Stubblefield and, and, he didn't. He was like very disinterested in actually going through that depth chart as though it was a real pecking order of players. Aside from Jahan Dotson, who has established his role on the football field, uh, you know I think Dotson's obviously the one guy out there. He, he, you're looking for two more in this question. You know, to me, Cam Solomon Brown still kind of the sneaky pick, uh, health related. That that's that's what you're wondering there. I think last year I I said he was the maker. It was kind of a make or break season for him. Uh, I thought he got off to a decent start, and then uh, you know he got injured, and and you know he's in his fourth year on campus. I'm not gonna uh, go out on that ledge and, and and pick him right now, but I actually do think that Daniel George, I, I like the situation he's in right now. I, I think he's had. Uh, a bit of a tricky process coming in as the as as a pretty raw product compared to the other receivers they signed in 2018. Certainly, Jahan Dotson proved to be uh, the best of the bunch to this point in terms of being college ready. But I think working through different wide receiver coaches has, has made an impact on him, and not not a positive one. And now to the point where uh, I, you know, for his sake, I think this is a situation where he's going to to enter the season as a starter. Will he keep the job? That's the biggest question. I'm going to say by the end of the year, when, when this team is in a groove in terms of what it wants to do with personnel, all things being equal health-wise, the most reps are going to go to Dotson, Daniel George, and Keandre Lambert-Smith. I, I think Keandre is going to end up, it may not be a, a big September breakout, but maybe something that, that's similar to the footsteps we saw from Jahan Dotson during his first year on campus, where he wanted to get it, you know, clearly he was a guy who was ready coming out of training camp to maybe make an impact for you. 
wasn't very apparent that he was going to burn that red shirt status and then progressively got in the field, overtook some of the veterans. And if you remember, Sean, he's a guy that they wanted to to work in at the slot behind Hamler and, and they ended up finding a role for him elsewhere on the field. I think Keandre Lambert brings enough versatility to the table at, at where they will feel comfortable finding a spot for him. And, and if he's effective and ready to roll, it looks like physically he's getting to where he needs to be. And so those are the three I'm going to go with now. George, who, who would be a red shirt sophomore, uh, Dotson, the junior, and then the true freshman, Keandre Lambert-Smith. But as you said, Dunmore, TJ Jones, you almost feel like you need one of those guys to step up and play a lot of football, productive football for you. And this just can't be the tailspin position that it has been the last couple of years, especially when you remove KJ Hamler from the equation. Yeah, and those tight ends will help. So I, I, I that goes into it. Um, I, I think there is talent there with Jones and Dunmore. You just not a lot of uh, refined ability there and and consistency, which is you know that's the word that we bring up with every redshirt freshman is is all about consistency. Cam Sullivan Brown's also a guy that we have not mentioned yet. Um, obviously coming off that that injury he suffered last year showed some some flashes of consistency. And if he can do that, if he can be that that veteran presence, I think he can break into getting some reps there as well. Exposition. Uh, excuse me, the X position fairly uh, crowded right now with George Lambert Smith and Sullivan Brown. That's a lot of hyphens in there, um, but uh, they should be able to, to to work something out. I think that's probably the most interesting thing. You have George and and Lambert Smith um, on that first line where they as they play the first or they play the same position right now. Be interesting to see if you know all of a sudden you have to push Lambert Smith to the Z to just to get him on the field. I do wonder, are we overlooking, and I could be off base here, are we overlooking Norval Black at all, a guy who has two years at the college level? He's, he's not the most physically imposing receiver that they're, gonna, that they're going to add to this room right now, but just the fact that he has played at a high level of junior college for a couple seasons and, uh, and, and considering the rest of this freshman class, Lambert Smith being the exception, are going to be coming in, uh, you know, behind the eight ball. We're not sure if they, when they're going to get to campus. It may be just in time to hit the football field for training camp. And even with Lambert Smith, still has not had a, a college practice to his credit. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of the same thing there. Norval Black's a really good athlete. He's got some polish to his game, probably more so than 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 you would spec when you tab the uh, junior le- uh, junior college label to him. But uh, you know, there's a lot to like there. Um, you know, I'm still waiting to see where he comes in and and how he fits in physically because he does have that red shirt available and he is pretty skinny. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens with him. Um, you know, I I, I think those. Those two, uh, Lambert Smith and Parker Washington, a little bit more from a physical standpoint, ready to play. I mean, Parker Washington's about five nine and a half, five ten. Uh, he's over two hundred pounds, which you don't really think about when you think about a shot, a slot guy, especially after seeing KJ Hamler the last couple of years, where Jahan Dotson, you know, is and where he came from. So he's a little bit different style, um, you know, of of a receiver, a little bit different, uh, you know, makeup there than 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 we see with traditional slot guys, which is probably why. I would slot him as as the the backup right now to uh, to Jahan Dotson in the slot. Parker Washington gets possession of that ball. It looks like a, almost like a power back when he's moving with that football in his hand. He looks like Bill. Be- he looks like Bill Belton. I mean, <laughs> there we he's, go. Uh, he, he Belton was a, a receiver at one point as well. I mean, he's got that compact frame, but he's got uh, some mass to him. So yeah, I mean, he's got uh, he's got a little running back to him. He's got a little slot receiver to him, but uh, he's got a little one handed catch to him, which we've seen a bunch from him as well. So he's got some skills skills to work with with his athleticism. 
Dwight Galt fan six snuck in a second question. It's kind of an evergreen question for us here on the show. Can probably hit, hit circle back to it later on. But what is your favorite bar in State College, Sean? As someone who attended this university, you have a much greater breadth of experience uh, at the watering holes of this community. So this is a you know, this is a lot of pressure on you. It is a lot of pressure. I, I sat down and I also I had to... also it's especially pressure because we don't yet have a sponsor locally for the show. So yeah, choose that's wisely. my favorite. That's my favorite bar. Whatever <laughs> yeah, bar yeah. wants to sponsor us now, um, you know it goes in shifts because I turned twenty one in two thousand five. Um, so obviously, you know the, 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 some of the bars that were there at that point are not there anymore. I miss Sports Cafe. Um, you know that that was a big one for me um, right when I turned twenty one and saw that process changing. You know later in my years. Uh, uh, there. Um, I was a big cafe 210 guy, uh, saloon cafe. I went there pr- pretty much every Friday uh, for happy hour. Um, actually, the band, uh, JR, who, who owns it now, played uh, his band played my wedding. So um, we were pretty ingrained in, in that scene. Um, and then the saloon was just if you you know if you if you had uh, eight bucks and you wanted to go get uh, uh, all you needed to get the saloon was the place to go. Um, when I got to an adult, I classed it up a little bit, went down to Zeno's. Uh, always enjoyed that. Today, uh, you know, I kind of stay on the fringes. Uh, I don't really bar hop as much as uh, you know. <laughs> I don't really drink as much as people think I do. Um, but uh, when I do, uh, you know, I'm a big autos guy. Uh, take the family there. It's a great place to take a family. I mean, it's just a we used to go there every Friday um, before everything shut down. Um, Old New York is a, is a spot. Uh, great, great people over there. And Champs Downtown has really sort of raised the bar for everything. And I know that's a, a little bit uh, more of a younger crowd, but I'm also a sports bar guy. So I like that. Just the, the way that they've uh, elevated themselves above everyone else uh, downtown has really been fascinating to watch and, and really you, you, there's just so much going on there that you, you're probably going to have a good time. So that that's my that's I don't have bar rankings. Maybe that's a you know if we get so far into this thing, maybe that's what we'll have to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know everybody's life goes in shifts, and that's really where mine have taken me. And and there's a lot of good bars in State College. There's I've seen a lot of bad bars in State College, uh, but they've uh, you know the the ones that have stood the test of time have have probably done so for a reason. I mean the Skeller was was always always somewhere that uh, you know you could wind up. Uh, maybe not as a fallback, but uh, you know anybody, any crowd could go in there and have a good time. So I mean, there's just so many. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a lot of uh, a lot of money spent, a lot of bars. Um, and when I say a lot of money, I say a lot of college town money because it's funny because these guys, uh, my buddies that are in cities and things like that, are paying uh, you know ten dollars for a beer. And I'm paying three bucks for a pitcher. It's it, it's worked itself out. It's been very fortuitous for me over the last uh, let's see, 15 years. You cast the wide net. Very smart, strategically. There, we'll get everybody who needs to be in touch with our 24/7 Sports corporate team. We'll make sure you get that sponsorship going. We'll get the rotation here on the podcast. Now, my circumstances in this uh, state college area are much different than yours. By the time I showed up here for the first time, I was. A married guy, I was, you know, going, moving toward thirty, so I uh, did not have the 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 wild early times that you got to experience. But I've heard about them a lot from people on the beat. Everyone has their stories from this town. But one of the newer places I, I really enjoyed last year, and and now that the weather has turned, I'm definitely missing this situation. Voodoo Brewery uh, in State College has a great setup with the Adirondack chairs on this little creek outside. Do, you, you take your drink down there. Um, you know, the the one thing there, they don't have a full menu 
for food, but it, it's a good spot to go maybe before dinner and on, on a day where the sun is shining, it, it's hard to beat. You can take a book there. You can take some friends there, whatever there is. You can just chill. Um, you know, I would also say the first place I, I ever ate at or drank at in State College was Happy Valley Brewery. Uh, a colleague of mine, when I first came into town for the, uh, for the Blue White game in 2017, we went there. Then we went back the next night. So those nachos were the first thing that hooked me. Eventually, I started to enjoy some of their uh, their their offerings and the beer selection. I will say, as a guy who does not live in the State College area, I, I don't live the urban life that you enjoy, Sean. Living out here in Zion, where uh, there's a lot of uh, buggies that roam around these parts. Um, but I, I will tell you, Hublersburg Inn out here. Uh, it's a spot that my wife and I enjoy. It's 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 definitely been the local business that we have been supporting during uh, the shutdown. We, we've probably gotten takeout there four or five times. Uh, they do the bar takeout as well. So they're hitting on all cylinders, but they've got a great outdoor patio area. So, uh, you know, again, trying to get as many. I think that's at least 12 bars we have mentioned on this show. So, again, yeah, take, take, take your I, pick. <laughs> I don't blame you with Hooblersburg, man. They're, they've got some really good food. Uh, we used to go out there fairly frequently. It's a bit of a drive. But uh, if you're coming in, um, you know, if you're coming into State College on that sort of back way, um, you know, it's right there. It's, uh, it's a great spot. Uh, decent little draft list for out there as well so yep. um and and i'd be remiss if i didn't mention now that we're going to expand this uh elk <laughs> creek uh cafe in milheim is is pretty phenomenal as well so uh, we're, we're really all over the place uh in bars like i said uh, we've grown up a bit. Uh, some of that's good. Some of that's bad. Um, and, uh, it, it's reflected in our bar taste as well, but, uh, it's always fun to, to reminisce and think back. Cause I, I remember my 21st birthday, uh, it went to the Shandy Gaff for some reason. Um, and that's not really my scene. I am as, as you know, uh, six, four and awkward. So, uh, dancing bars, really not my thing. Um, but, uh, threw up on the sidewalk after that one. So got, got, uh, got a little bit of, of state college in us all. And that's, uh, that's uh, oh, you can still taste that and, one, and but, you left uh, a little bit of yourself in State College that night. Yeah, right? yeah. and we actually went um, when Callahan was about to make the move back to Massachusetts and, and head home and cover the Patriots. I, I went on what they were calling that night the bad bar crawl. It was apparently all the bad bars that Callahan didn't get to when he was here, and, and Callahan also a guy who did not go to Penn State like myself. So, you know, we had some of the other people on the beat guiding us along that night. And, yeah, there are some bad bars in, in State College. And, and that night showed it. It was a fun time. It was good to do it with Andrew before he departed. But I, I will say, I got my own wild stories at Rutgers. No one wants to hear about New Brunswick. But uh, that beautiful wife of mine, Hillary, met her at a, at a bar at Rutgers. So you, you never know what you're going to walk into at a college bar uh, and how it's going to impact the rest of your life or just the next few hours of your life. But uh, it's it's always a fun, fun adventure on your respective campus. Yeah. Yeah. So that I think that'll about do it for us. Uh, any more stories, we might get in trouble. Um, but yeah. no, we can <laughs> yeah. definitely uh, wrap it up here. Remember, uh, send your questions, your five-star reviews um, You know, to, to Apple Podcasts. We'd, we appreciate your feedback. We appreciate your support. We appreciate your listenership. Um, we're also on Spotify and Twitter. Apple Podcasts, uh, you know, for, for our status is the one that moves the needle so um, we appreciate uh, you know your your feedback and your listenership on any of those you can also stay informed online 247.com uh, we started the trimmings which we teased a little bit last week uh, what's it about I don't know I'm not sure what I'm writing about <laughs> tomorrow so we'll figure that out uh, have, have well, Sean done... you had a you had a good one up on, on Monday it was a good read it was about 2020 class don't make me sell it for you yeah, uh, 2020 <laughs> class official visit swings talk to the recruiting staff to get their their insight on you know where Penn State sort of made their move and on, on official visits, it, it, you know, it's kind of few and far between with, uh, 
you know, these money official visits, but Penn State had, uh, strung together a couple of, of really good ones last cycle, and it, it really ended up paying off. It's a good read, uh, good insight from the people who have who have lived it uh, outside of uh, the visitors that actually visited. Well, thanks to Brian Doan. Thanks to Sean for his wide range of bar, bar options. Hopefully, we're all able to go hit up these bars and, and local establishments ASAP. Uh, in the meantime, stay informed here on the podcast. Stay informed on lines247.com. VIP membership subscription deal going on right now. 30% off for annual VIP spot and one month for $1. Uh, kind of get a feel for what we got going on. That's going to do it for Sean and I for now. Stepping away, we'll talk to you later in the week. This is the Lions 24 7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.